This meeting is being recorded. Okay. Well, everyone had a great week. And um, this is a packed, packed Parsha. It's a, first of all, it's a double whammy, which is this year, because it's not a Jewish leap year, a lot of the Parshas get doubled up. So there's, this week's Parsha has two. There's the Parsha of Achremos, which talks basically about the, the, what happened in the temple on Yom Kippur. And then there's, I would say, what today is much more practical, the famous Parsha Kiddoshim. Now, Kiddoshim means um, holy. So let's talk a little bit about the Parsha. There's a lot of really cool things here. So one thing that starts out is the beginning of this of, of Parsha's Kedoshim has a lot. Parsha's Kedoshim has a lot, a lot, a lot of mitzvahs. I think, you know, the 613 commandments in the Torah, I think about a tenth of them are in this Parsha. So there's a lot, a lot of, of uh, information. And Rashi says that being in the Parsha, that these laws were taught as a gathering. Moses gathered the Jewish people together one day in the desert. And why did he make a special gathering? Rashi says because the majority of the essentials of Judaism are summarized in this week's Parsha. And the famous Chassam Sofer says that we see from here that to become holy, you need to be amongst other people. Judaism is... uh, is a is a uh, way of life that is a communal way of life. Mo- in fact, many of the commandments cannot be done if one is in isolation. Obviously, if one is forced to be in isolation, that you know is unusual and the exception. But that's why it's so important uh, to uh, be a part of a community. Consider yourself a part of the Jewish people. Um, that's that that's one of the bedrocks. Of, uh, of, of, uh, of Judaism. Now, here's an interesting idea, which I don't know if it's, a, I'm not sure if it's how well it fits with, I would say, what a lot of modern, a lot of current uh, ways of thinking are, but I'll put it out there. So the Torah says, Kedoshim Tihiyu, you should be holy. Well, the famous Nachmanides says here, what does it mean you should be holy? What kind of commandment is that? Like, how do you be holy? Sounds like a very generic thing. And the Torah doesn't give generic commandments. The Torah, when it asks you to do something, it doesn't just say, like, you know, be good. You know? <laughs> the Torah says very specific things. So Nachmanides says, this actually is not one of the classic commandments. It's an overarching concept, which is, Mikadesh atzmecha, make yourself holy, bimutar lach in that which is permitted to you. And he gives examples. He says, let's say someone gets a hold of a, a bottle of wine, the most kosher bottle of wine you'll ever find. But it gets drunk every night. So you may say, look, well, the wine's kosher. What could be wrong? Well, if you drink and you get drunk every night or you drink and you act inappropriate, so that's something that it's not a specific commandment, but there's a commandment to have an overarching um, element of, of holiness, of loftiness, of tr- of an of a, of a idea of transcendence. Another example we give is, that let's say someone buys the most kosher meat, and they 
stuff themselves with meat every night. Also, not something which, you know, would be so becoming. And this is a concept which has very far-reaching aspects. Because a Jew always has to ask themselves, and really this is not uh, exclusive to Jews, um, this way of thinking, but um, this is God and Moses addressing the Jewish people, and specifically Jewish people are being asked, you know what, ask yourself a question. Is this something that I, as a Jew, and everything I represent, I'm going to do, this could apply to the workforce, could apply how you're dealing with other people, how you carry yourself on social media. Uh, it's a, a lot of times, you know, you, you can you can get involved in something, and someone would say, hey, you know, where does it say you can't do that? And sometimes there's things that it doesn't have to say it. It's just that's the essence of who we are, and it certainly applies in relationships. You know, if a person tries to throw the book at someone that they have a relationship with and say, hey, you know, where does it ever say that I have to do that? It's not going to be a very uh, a very productive um, situation. Okay. Now, here's a great one. So it says a famous thing, lifne iver, which literally means in front of a blind person, lo sitein mechshol. You should not put a stumbling block. Now, simply put, what does that mean? It means you see someone who can't see, say a blind person, and you put something on the floor, he won't see it, he'll fall. Sounds like a pretty basic decency. But all the commentators say it's much more than that. It means anytime, anytime you would cause someone to do something that they wouldn't know any better, and you could help them, and certainly if you proactively set them up, that's wrong. And that is uh, something which really can come up all the time. We're responsible for chain reactions. And we're also responsible for not doing something when we could have done something. Now, here's one, I would say, one of the hardest and most misunderstood mitzvahs in the Torah. It says, Mitzedek Tishpot Amisecha. Now, we all, but one of the most common cliche things that people say, I'm sure I say it all the time, is um, I, I, I don't judge anyone. Now, says the Torah, let's get real. We all judge. That's just what we do. We, we, we make decisions. We, we, come to, we come to conclusions. But says the Torah, Something much harder than not judging. Because not judging often will mean you don't care. The Torah says, judge, but judge favorably. When you see someone do something really not nice. So if you just say, I'm not judging, I'm not judging, basically means I'm not thinking about it. And probably in your head, very likely, we're thinking, hey, that person's doing something wrong. Judging someone favorably is a whole other level. Judging someone favorably is thinking, you know what? What would I want someone else to say if they saw me doing that? Let's say someone sees me being angry and someone who I like happens to pass by and I'm so embarrassed. What would I want them to think? I would probably want them to think, you know, he's had a really rough day or is in a lot of pain or whatever it might be. So we're implored to, when we see something questionable that someone does, to work on ourselves to get to the point where we have a the most positive spin on it possible. 
um, it's just a good way to go. You know, you don't want to kind of focus on 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 on, on, on other, other other people's shortcomings. In fact, the Chavos of Avos says that we have a limited amount of judging ability. If we spend all our time um, judging other people or thinking about other people, we won't have much uh, bandwidth left to judge ourselves, which really is the most important thing that person needs to be able to analyze their, their own activities. Um, the uh, famous Chazonish, one of the great leaders of uh, the Jewish people when the state of Israel was founded, he had an interesting quip that as a person refines themselves, they become very sensitive to their own faults and they ignore big ones in other people. And this is a lifelong effort. It's a very hard thing to do, but you become a uh, much happier person. And, and a lot of times we jump to conclusions. And if you were to say, hey, you know what, maybe, maybe. And, and every time this happens to me, we're like, you know, you look like someone's doing something bad and you find out some more information later. It's really cool because like, oh, wow, you know, this, this could happen again. And uh, it's, a, it's a much happier way to live. Famous words says, "Don't stand by while you're um, don't stand idly by your brother's blood." So, in a literal sense, it means to don't. Uh, someone's going to die. Save them. All the commentators said it means much more than that. It means not just blood. If someone needs help, or needs assistance, how to help them. Now, here is, again, this Parsha is just full of this, how to deal with other people. Very hard law to understand, but here it goes. The rule is, Lo sisna esachicha bil vavecha. Do not hate your brother in your heart. Now, what's that supposed to mean? Don't hate your brother in your heart. Well, I would think I'm not supposed to hate my brother at all. Sounds like don't hate your brother in your heart, but I can hate him out of my heart. What does that mean? So, what it means is, is not to harbor resentment. Basically, you got two choices when you're upset at someone. You could either think it through and forgive them. It's gone. You're not upset out of the heart, and you're not upset in the heart. You thought about it, you've forgiven them. The other alternative, is, you would say, is keep it inside. Harbor resentment. You don't tell them, but you're upset. You know, you don't have to... That's not allowed. Because we know what happens is now, this doesn't mean as soon as you're upset about something, you have to say something right away. No, obviously, it means that if you see that you're not able to get over something and that that uh, you should find a way to talk about it and let the person know in a product in a in a constructive way. And because ultimately, when you keep something inside, it never stays inside, and it always comes out at the worst possible times. 
So, uh, so that's uh, a hard mitzvah. Uh, you know, I is a, a, a rabbi who I talk to about a lot of things, and he's been pretty consistent. Um, how, you know, you gotta, you, you can't just let things fester. You know, you gotta um, just, uh, you know, deal with it. It's not easy. But everyone stands to gain when, uh, when 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 these things happen. Now, along these lines, it says the famous mitzvah: "Hocheach tochiach es amisecha." You surely should reprove your friend. What does "reprove your friend" mean? If you see them doing something wrong, you should teach them what they're doing wrong. But the famous caveat: "Velosisa alav chait." Don't do a sin while sharing that. Which essentially means, if I see you doing something wrong, so I love you so much and I care about you, I want to tell you. But we know that most of us, we don't want to hear anything from anybody. We just, we don't like that. So, and then because we don't like it, if someone says something to us, we're not likely to listen. So says the Torah, you have an obligation if you see someone doing something wrong or not doing something right, and, and you need to care about that person enough that, that you would tell them. But you got to be creative enough to think of a way to tell it to them and share it with them that they will not be hurt and embarrassed in the process. And if you can't, says the Torah, you shouldn't say it. Well, well and the ideal is not to say, oh, I can't. It is to think of a way um, that that you could. So actually, what this means is the Torah is saying everything is your business, not in a nosy way, but when you find things out. One second, so you get a tissue. When you uh, when you find things out, you know you could be apathetic. Or you could care. And I can tell you, I've been a, uh, involved in the Jewish community now for a while. And it used to be, when I first started, that most people cared about Judaism. They maybe had different opinions about what Judaism was or what Judaism says. And what I'm finding today, and I know it's not just me, is that there's more, I would say, Jewish apathy. Which means, you know what? I don't have a problem with what you do. I don't really care what you do. In fact, I don't have an opinion. When in reality, if I care about it, you know, if someone has kids, like, you know, it's unfortunately actually becoming a, a trend where there's this parenting trend where people just, like, let their kids do whatever they want and not care. Now, they say, they, 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 they fool themselves that they care about their child because they're letting their child be open. Well, there's ways to make your child be very open-minded without allowing, um, uh, teaching them. Um, with you, you can't, they're just going to be very bad off in life. Um, but you, you got to feel that you, gotta, you, you have to care about, the, about people enough that you'll find a way to share with them the, uh, the truth. We know that, you know, uh, a good friend, it's hard to come by, but a good friend is someone who's, not just maybe going to tell you everything that you want to hear. I had a friend uh, 
I spend a lot of time at the, you know, with with a lot of young men who, around the time when they're thinking of getting married, and recently I had a friend who was very nervous about getting married. He was nervous what's going to be, so much divorce out there. And I said, look, you know, obviously there's a lot to learn, and no one has it all figured out. But one thing I could tell you, if you make yourself into the kind of person that people will feel comfortable telling you if something's not working, then you're going to be successful in whatever you do. Because we all are limited by ourselves. And, um, you know, if, 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 if all we do is, um, is just not want to hear what anyone else has to say, now, the problem is, like we said from the Torah here, people aren't supposed to say something if you're going to get upset or you're going to be uh, embarrassed. So you want to make yourself into the kind of person. And thank God, I think I've, I'm privileged. And I have a number of people in my life who feel comfortable telling me. And I don't know if I give it credit to my uh, openness, but I am privileged to have that. Um... Okay, I had a friend once who uh, he he wanted to share with that relative uh, Judaism. That particular his relative uh, didn't know much about Judaism, and this relative, you know, rightfully so, was nervous. He didn't want to be, uh, you know, intimidating or overwhelming um, to, uh, you know. What would uh, to this to this this family member? But they felt badly. There was so much in Judaism that they knew that they really thought that the relative would uh, would want to hear about and or experience. But he didn't feel like he's like, how can I do that? I don't have a relationship with them. The only time I'm going to talk to them is is about Judaism. So I said, you know, and I'm no rocket scientist. I just was listening to him. I said, I think you just said your answer. Yeah. If the only time you talk to them is when you're trying to get them to do something, do something for Judaism, yeah, they're not going to feel like you care about them. They're not going to have to say. Why don't you, why don't you develop a relationship with them like you should anyway? If you could, it's your, it's your relative, and then you'll be in a position where you'll be uh, able to share. So that's what we got to do. Really, we got to develop. Uh, someone, I, I was at a conference once. They were discussing people who, who were. Um, working in uh, Jewish organizations and uh, you know people were um, <coughs> trying to figure out who, who do you hire? Like, there's so many people interested in working and he said that number one criteria because there's so many you know aspects of people that you know sometimes they're good sometimes they're bad but what, one thing he said for sure one thing he said for sure was that you uh, you gotta love you got you gotta love people. If you love people, then you figure out ways. You figure out ways to be pleasant. You figure out ways to be influential and connect in uh, in, in meaningful ways. Now, here comes one of the most maybe the most famous lines in the Torah. In fact, many other religions also. Uh, Focus on this a lot. Ve'ahavta 
Love your neighbor as yourself. Famous. Um, Hillel said it a little, a little differently in the Talmud. Don't do unto others what you wouldn't want done to yourself. Do to others what you will want done to yourself. It's a beautiful idea, but it's a very difficult idea. I mean, we're hardwired, rightfully so. God made us this way for so we, we, will, we will survive. That we care about ourselves the most. And if anyone's honest, um, that's that's okay, <laughs> and that's 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 appropriate, you know. And there's concentric circles. A person should care about themselves and their immediate family and going out. You should care about everybody, but that's natural and, that, and that's healthy. So, what does it mean to love your neighbor as yourself? First of all, what does it mean, and how is that possible? So. A couple of points on this. Um, there's a famous argument here between Nachmanides and Maimonides as to, in fact, what is the commandment? Because remember, every commandment in the Torah is, is very specific. It's, it's measurable, it's quantifiable. And there's an argument about it. I believe Maimonides says, I forgot which one says which, but in any event, that I in fact, need to treat you the same way I would want to treat myself. Nachmanari says, no. It means I don't have to actually feel it. I can fake it. I can treat, first opinion says, I actually have to develop with time a love for other people the same way I love myself. Other opinion says, that's very, very difficult. That's too much. What I can be expected to do is with time be able to treat people the way I would uh, would want to be treated. And that's an incredible thing. But how do you do that? How can you possibly do that? Because because you have to look out for yourself. And a lot of times we don't want to do something for someone else because we're nervous we're going to hurt ourselves. And that's where the God factor comes in. If a person believes that God's got it all figured out, I'm going to get what I get. You're going to get what you're going to get. And there's nothing that anyone else could do to change that. That enables me to be generous. In fact, it's almost impossible to be fully generous if you uh, don't do that. Because you, you do. In fact, I never, you know, one thing I do is I, I uh, raise money. And I had a close relationship with someone who was very wealthy. Or had access to a, a lot of money, and I asked him if you consider making me making a donation to a cause, and he said, "You know what? I do have have money, but you know I need to have a prudent reserve in the bank." I said, "Okay, what's a prudent reserve?" Well, he's like five years of money to support my current. Um, you know, style of life. I'm like, whoa. I said, I don't know exactly what little I know about you. I mean, you think you shouldn't give any charity until you got like $10 million or $20 million in the bank. And he honestly felt that way. He's like, because, you know, you got to be, you don't know, it may include my job, the market, whatever it might be. And I realized that, yeah, 
You know, if I didn't believe in God, that God would take care, that God's got a plan, and the only person I have to rely on is myself, then, you know, maybe I do need to be so prudent. But the good news is, not the case. God's on top of things, and um, the more you trust in him, the, the happier you'll be. Um, so we have time for maybe one more idea. Okay. It says an idea called Vachai Bahem. Person is supposed to live in the Torah, live with the Torah. What does that mean? Well, simply put, we say the purpose of of living, of the purpose of the Torah is to live in an exalted fashion. Well, for many years, Jews had to give up their lives all the time. It was a common thing. And that was the way they sanctified God. They sanctified God, they sanctified the Jewish people with their life. Today we have the privilege, despite all the challenges in the world, we, generally speaking, have freedom to do what we want in happiness, in prosperity, in comfort. And we have the privilege to do that. We have the privilege to do things that our our ancestors had, even not that long ago, had to do under tremendous, tremendous pressure. And it's such a privilege that it's hard not to take for granted. But we don't want to take that for granted. And, you know, one of the great ways to do that is like many of the ideas we spoke about tonight, you know, the way you treat other people. You just become a happier person. You're able to operate in you know, in Judaism and how you deal with people. And uh, as always, the, one of the most important times to do this, especially is on Shabbos, because it says you know, there's no nothing that keeps a blessing like peace. A person can have all the wealth and talents and, and accomplishments in the world don't have peace, and you can't enjoy it, and it's just life could be miserable. So we gotta work on all these things. Have a great Shabbos, and uh, wherever you are, thanks for listening.